It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. It is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Welcome into the show. It's a good old Monday. We hope you enjoyed your weekend, but we are back on a regular schedule program Monday through Friday like we always are. We always want to say just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And always remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure once you're done listening and you start – Feeling yourself like, oh my God, these people are so great. Jarvis and Tiddy are the best in the world. Make sure you put that in writing and give us a five star <laughs> review. And we would really appreciate it so everybody else can figure out what we got going on right here down in Lockstone Sports Atlanta. We appreciate you so much, so much, so much. So we got a lot of coming up today. All right, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Over the weekends, you know, they had the OTAs. We were out there live. So that means conversations about position battles. I know you love it. I know you couldn't wait to actually get to that. And I think Tanitra made a very interesting thing that she pointed out. We're going to talk about it and tell you exactly what that was coming up in just a second. And also, the Braves, they are still undefeated. And it's June. In the month of June, oh my gosh, what is going on? I'm starting to get excited, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about it before I get a little bit too excited. To you, you're gonna have to hold me down because you know I'm starting to feel 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 these Atlanta Braves right now. And last but not least, these first two games of the NBA Finals got me to thinking, and I was like, you know what? How should the Hawks prioritize their offseason? Should they go offensive? Should they go defensive? Mm. It got me to thinking a little bit. So we'll talk about that in for the culture. But but first, we have to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Like we made a lot, we talked about on Friday about some observations that we had, T. And, and you know, we got a lot of good feedback from that. And, and, and I think the, the main thing right now is I thought it was very interesting when you brought it up to me. You pointed out and started talking about, you know, a position battle that, that kind of caught your eye. Mm-hmm. And – and I, and I think it's interesting because uh, we know what Kalen McGarry is, right? Yeah. He didn't pick up his fifth-year option, mm-hmm. and he is essentially the starter right now at that right tackle position. But I think you brought up an interesting name that could potentially have McGarry in a position battle with this guy. Um, what say you? Yeah, so as we're taking a look and kind of, like you said, observing what we're seeing because we had an opportunity to peek into an open practice on Friday for literally about 75 minutes, just kind of seeing things shift around. So at one point, I thought it was interesting because, of course, you've got Marcus Mariota working one half of the field and then you've got Desmond Ritter working the other half of the field. So we're scanning down and kind of looking to see who's on that right side. And I see Chris Lindstrom. I do not see Caleb McGarry. I do see Jermaine Defetti. And I thought to myself, just what you said, I said, well, we know one is a proven commodity and we know potentially what that ceiling is. Because again, we give Caleb McGarry a lot of credit for what looks like a lot of off-season work that he put in to get yep. his body right. And he's changing it. He's changed his body. You're right. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. You change that body, you change the mind. It kind of all works together. 
So mm -hmm. Jarvis and I here on ATL Day Ones, we're always mindful of the fact that let's see what this new look Kayla McGarry is going to be able to do. However, I, it did I not cost on me that a Fetty <laughs> was starting next to Lindstrom on that Mariota side because right now, even though it's early on, Mariota is still technically one on the depth chart. So if you're over there working with the ones, I, we were already going to keep our uh, eye on it. That's already one of the position battles that Jarvis and I have been talking about and will continue to talk about, especially when we get into training camp. Just thought it was interesting that we saw that at this stage of the offseason workouts. No doubt about it, because at the end of the day, like you, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of rotations going on, right? Yeah. It's going to be a lot of people being put in in that situation. And like I said, it's not necessarily mean they're going to start, but right. you want to see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. What does Jermaine Affetti look like playing next to Chris Lindstrom? Because, yeah. hey, there's that's not too out of the mind, out of sight, out of mind to be able to say, you know what? Mm -hmm. There may be a, a time may come where we might have to play Jermaine or Fetty, whether yeah. Caleb McGarry gets hurt or mm -hmm. he's just still playing like the Caleb McGarry that we know him to be. Yeah. And that's that's unacceptable as mm -hmm. a as a first round pick. He's yeah. played in a, a very unacceptable way. And I think that they're going to probably try to do everything they possibly can to push him yeah. and, and or unseat him when it yeah. comes to that. I think, I think another thing, though, T, that mm -hmm. I kind of been kind of intrigued by right we know Cordell Patterson has not been at mm. voluntary workouts yes. and Arthur Smith has been on gone on the record and saying you know it's not a big deal yeah, we understand it it's, it's voluntary he doesn't have yes. to be here and, yeah, and, and I think it's, it's safe to say that he's RB1 right but, <laughs> you know Cordell Patterson RB1 that's that's I think that's that's locked in but mm -hmm. I think that we have to kind of change some of the verbiage when we talk about you know, RB2 or yeah. RB3. Yeah. I think when we talk about the running back position and what those guys are going to be have to do and mm -hmm. going right now and for mandatory minicamps and going into training camp is they're going to be battling for touches. Yes. Hey, I don't think it's going to be a guy where oh, this guy, he's starter, RB2, RB3, third down mm -hmm. running back. No, I don't think it's yeah. going to be – these guys are going to be a constantly – in a battle to get touches. And I think yes. uh, Tyler Algier, he's going to be a part of that. Damian Williams, he was getting mm -hmm. some work with the first group um, yes. when they when they were practicing. You mm -hmm. know, and like I said, I make sure I emphasize that they were practicing right. and no. they were yeah. rotating in. He was the first running back in in the, in position, right, you know, mm -hmm. when they went out there. So I, I don't think that, that that says something, right, because I, I think we're now we're at a point where, you know, the running backs – it's going to be a very interesting battle because, like you mm -hmm. said, Damian Williams, and we talked about Avery Williams as well, and him moving to that position. So I, this is a, a room that's pretty crowded, T. Yes. And I'm going to ask you to do a favor. I never ask you this, but I got to ask you because there's this point that I want to make that you and I used to chuckle about all the time, and actually many folks on the Falcons beat. Recall last year and in years past, and I know his name is Brian. I'm just having a brain freeze on his last name. But remember the running back who we all said would like win training camp? Like if there was a running back, you <laughs> know what I'm talking, talking about. about. Yes. So if, person, if winning yeah. training camp was a person, it would have been him. And he did do better last season in terms of his run production and his pass protection. I promise you guys, come back in the second segment and this brain freeze that I'm having, I promise you're going to remember who it is. But my point Brian is, Hill. 
Seriously? Yeah. Practice warrior. He looks amazing in practice. But you can tell Jarvis and I have been doing this for years because all I had to do was say Brian and boom, he came back 30 seconds later with Hill when he knows he'll have a brain freeze. But yes, Brian Hill was the king of training camp and the king of off-season OTAs, you name it, B. Hill was doing it. Now, to give B. Hill credit, Last year, he did improve his game, both in um, his run productivity as well as pass catching. So got to give him credit where credit is due. But what Jarvis is saying is this. When you start looking at those preseason games, right, and you start Mm -hmm. seeing who's getting those touches, that's when you want to really hone in on seeing, okay, is that the person who's maybe proven to Arthur Smith that he's the guy who's going to punch it in in the areas where they needed it the most? Even during the Arthur Smith regime year one, of course, several years back in the Dan Quinn era, it was that red zone. Could not get a back that could punch it in in the low red zone. Could not get a back that on a third and short you could count on. You're out here getting Matt Ryan to pass for half a yard, one yard, and literally not able to just stretch the field and, and, um, you know, continue a drive. So that's why you make a great point about the fact that other than CP being RB1, we're not about two and three. We're about seeing who's going to get quality touches, quality touches mm-hmm. and quality touches. Damn. That's really that's going to dictate what that depth chart looks like for that running back room. It is definitely going to be a, something that we're going to have to keep an eye on, like you yeah. said, because you know Caleb McGarry, you know he's on his way out, so mm-hmm. they need to have a, a at least a contingency plan in place. And I think mm-hmm. Jermaine and Fed, I think both of us agree that Jermaine Fetty might just be that. All right, now the Atlanta Dream. They were able to get it done, T. 75 to 66, Nia Coffey leading the way with 16 points. Yes. You know how it goes down in College Park. You know, they Atlanta Dream, get it done once again. Once again. It is crazy what they're able to do. And granted, they have had the Fever's number all season long. But they started off a little bit slower than normal just in terms of being able to get a rhythm, especially on the outside, right? But they truly embody defense leads to offense. And the defense was right there. It was team defense. It was consistent. They were not allowing for much in the way of second chance points. But that's what led to that second half, that amazing offense. Like you said, Nia Coffey with her double-double. But also Ryan Howard started heating up in that second half. because Shocking. Right. They took the lead into halftime. The Dream did and hadn't hit a three. And then all of a sudden she comes out, she shoots and hits seven of their first 11 points. And then it's pretty much game from there. So again, great to see what the dream were able to do in getting another win and getting a win over the fever. And believe it or not, it's the beginning of June and they're one win away from how many wins they have for the entire season last year. So they are already winning by a long stretch compared to what you saw this year and surprising a lot of folks with what they're doing. All right, and they're going to try to continue to win tomorrow against the Seattle Storm. It's going to be out there on the West Coast, so it's a little bit of a late start. So 10 (laughs) o'clock, so make sure you check those guys out because, like you said, the Atlanta Dream have been doing their thing. All right, last but not least, T, the Warriors, Celtics, they're able to get it done, 107-88, to and they come back and tie up the series. I think it's safe to say that the Warriors got it done in the third quarter, right? <laughs> and Steph Curry was at the helm. <laughs> they looked good in the third quarter, in the beginning of the third quarter, in game one. What they figured out this time is what you're not going to do is yeah. let the Celtics look better in in the third quarter. 
and then look better in the fourth quarter fourth and quarter. dictate oh, you got the, the war in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this time, yes, Jason Tatum, you know, got off to actually a better start in this game two versus game one. Jalen Brown was lights out that first half, right? So they're looking like the same Celtics. The Warriors took a little while to heat up, only took a two-point lead into halftime. But like you said, Jarvis, they looked like patented, trademark, vintage Warriors in that third quarter. But it all starts, and we are going to talk more about this in For the Culture, but it all yes. starts with defense. Your defense leads to your offense when it gets into deep into the postseason at this stage of the game. And that took everybody. And listen, Draymond Green didn't have the greatest of games last night, but it was the fact that he was in spaces and places and making sure those guys stay where they were. Andre Iguodala didn't even dress out last night. And he said, hey, play our game. We, we know what our game looks like. And then players that you and I had kind of called out a little bit, Jordan Poole, you know, understanding you got to give some offense. Kevon Looney bringing a, a defense, excuse me, Kevon Looney bringing a little bit. And Gary Payton the second. Anybody you, I'm just gonna He's stop going to stop right there. to be a free agent. He's going to be a free agent. Right there. Because notice there's a thing with Jarvis and me. We keep talking about defense leading to offense. We will talk about that in for the culture, like you said. But coming up next, Doty, how can the Braves stay undefeated in the month of June? We'll talk about that next on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And we are the guys that you guys are getting close to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. So we want to thank you for that. Yes. We appreciate the subscriptions, the listening, the support with your likes and your follows. Keep doing it and keep letting everybody else know about this podcast that you love. That's talking all about ATL sports. But if you go and check us out on the audio side, wherever you get all of your podcasts, give us a five-star re review there because then everybody else will want to know what in the world is my boy giving a five-star review for or my girl giving a five-star review for, and then they can check it out for themselves. But we appreciate you guys rocking with us as always. And if you've been rocking with us from day one, you know that we are two people who are excitable about Atlanta sports. We tell the truth when it's a hard pill to swallow, but when we need to get flowers and it's time we do just that so Jarvis has coined a phrase that I want you guys to repeat after me the Braves are undefeated in the month of June you know you like hearing that yeah of course yeah, yeah what else is there <laughs> I love it so we're gonna keep saying it until we can't say it anymore and hopefully we get to say that all the way through the month of June you know if we were so lucky but anywho it does feel good to be able to say that the Braves are undefeated in June that they have a five game win streak that they are above 500 for the first time since the first week of the season. That's exciting because we've been talking about so many ups and downs and kind of waiting for this talented squad to really show and prove. And you can say that, hey, they kind of did it on their West Coast swing against subpar teams, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But you know what, yep. Jarvis? You have to get on that field or on that baseball diamond or at that plate, and you still have to show and prove against the worst of them, just like you do against the best of them. And the Braves did the, just that ended their West Coast swing on a nice note, an eight to seven win against the Rockies. But not just that, I almost felt like he was teeing up and gearing up to take on his old team come Tuesday back at Truist right. Park. Matt mm -hmm. Olson had himself a day. Wow, just, I mean, 
and I've been having conversation with people because, you know, I just talking to different Braves fans in the streets, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have brought up the fact that, you know, Freddie Freeman, oh, yeah, Freddie Freeman doing this thing. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah Freddie going to be Freddie. Like, that's yeah. consistent. And, and, you know, Matt Olsen got off to a, a, a really hot start. And then he yeah. kind of got in the slump. But, but now, but oh, now, but oh, now, those extra base hits, yeah, he's uh, tops in the league. <laughs> you know, he's up there with, uh, with a lot of uh, familiar names in the league as far as extra base hits. And, mm -hmm. and I think we're going to st we're starting to see now those extra base hits are turned into home runs. Home runs. And and I think once Matt Olson gets that gets rolling like he is as of late, like he has as of late, I, th I think the Braves are going to be a scary, scary team. And T, I got to bring up my boy, my boy Michael Harris, been doing his thing. Yeah. You know, nephew Ronnie, Ronald Cooney, he goes four for five. Yes. He's three singles, three singles in a home run, and he's doing LeBron coming across the play. I was like, yes, make everybody mad when you hit home yeah. runs. <laughs> I'm all for that because, you exactly. know, you know, my Twitter name used to be Petty Munger. So, you know, I, I have to live up to that moniker because, you know, I'm a professional now. I had to take it down, yeah. but yeah. it still lives in me wholeheartedly. That's for sure. But I think it's hard not to get excited when you start to see some consistency from this team, right? right? I know they're playing the Colorado Rockies. I totally get it. But, you know, you have to do it, right? You still have to go out there and prove that they are a bad team. And that's right. exactly what the Braves were able to do. And like I said, a five-game winning streak, mm -hmm. this is something that I definitely want to see them continue to. Yeah. And it's something to where, and I just want to quote this, Jarvis, because I thought it was interesting to share because we were talking about Olsen, right? And post-game, right. he said, quote, I think everybody in here knows the talent that's in here. And the type of team that we have with everything that was accomplished last year said of the defending World Series champions. And Olsen mm -hmm. went on to say, it feels like we're starting to get on that roll. Jarvis, that's nothing that you and I and everyone else hasn't talked about. We've always acknowledged that the talent was there. We mm -hmm. were just looking for this team to, on a consistent basis, put it together night in and night out. Or if one aspect of the game wasn't rolling the right way, that there would be a pickup. Uh, in another area. So say, right. for example, yes, the Rockies scored seven last night, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, you didn't maybe get the greatest out of your pitching staff, if you will, but it was okay because your bats made up for you that. Picked them up, picked each other up, yes. Your defense made up for that. So that's what we were looking for. And we've seen it across a stretch of five games, right? So mm -hmm. that's what we were looking for. Not a one-off here where, yeah, we had a complete game for the Braves for one game. But then here we go again with one, two, if not three games in a row where we're not seeing the consistency in this team because there were defensive blunders like we were seeing just way too often, you know, last week. Or you'll have something like a pitcher's well, a pitching going out of control in the first inning because right. you're giving up three runs and you and, you know, Braves country would kind of sit back and say, wow, Charlie Morton just gave up three runs in the first inning. We're done here. But yep. when you can sit back and say, well, wait a minute. No, no. Let's get him to the second inning. Let's see what that command looks like. Okay. He's getting his command back in order. I think we're going to be good here. Or your mm -hmm. bats take over and say, no, we're good. Because the bats are going to take over. And defensively, we're going to do everything that we're supposed to do. We're going to understand the assignment. I think that's also, Jarvis, where our excitement comes from. Not just the wins, but the consistency that had to take place in all aspects of the game to get you to a point of five straight wins and moving over 500. Yeah, I think that uh, 
that key right there you said just said is the aspect all aspects of the game right because mm-hmm. there are going to be times when those one of those aspects aren't going to just have it that night right and the other aspects have to take over when i'm mm-hmm. talking about defense pitching yeah. and the bats and the bats yeah. have been amazing as of late like you said mm-hmm. you had a little hiccup with charlie morton i mean because he has struggles yeah. you know when get mm-hmm. when guys just gonna get on base that's yes. what we have to just get right. used to when, when Charlie right. Morton's on the mound. Guys are going to get on base, and he's going to have to figure way, figure out a way to get out of it. Yeah. And more than likely, yeah. it's going to be one inning, one yep. half inning. Right. They're, they're going to score. They're going right. to score some runs. And, and, and more than likely, he's going to settle down, you know, yeah. as the game goes along. So I, I think that, you know, you start to see though that aspect of it, and I think that's the thing that, you know, you want to see them continue to do. Like I said, they got the A's coming up here, you know, at home. Yeah. Here in Atlanta, um, starting tomorrow, and hey, the A's aren't a good team, and right. I think Matt Olson he shouldn't have any animosity because hey, you guys traded me. I appreciate you put me in a different right. type of situation, and but you know it's your former team, so hey, I'm looking yeah. for a big game from um, Mr. Olson. Me too. I, I, I absolutely am because I thought to myself, how cool is this that he's coming off of the kind of game he had against the Rockies, coming home. And you're playing against your former team. And hey, all of us, even if we walked away with a little bit of love, eh, you got a little chip on your shoulder. And sometimes you just like to show a little something, something. And also, I think it's going to be good that we get to see Kyle right on the mound tomorrow night. Exciting. He's for the most part, you know, just been lights out and consistent. Been, been right. consistent. Exactly. Ian Anderson, well, we still haven't seen the Ian Anderson we want to see, but hopefully in game two, you know, he'll give us the better part of him. But yeah, when we come back, we're going to keep rolling through Atlanta sports. And yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA finals, but you know, we're really going to talk about some rumblings in the jungle that might actually affect our Hawks. And some of this came from what we saw last night and what we heard. So if you want to hear more about it, come back on the other side. For For the Culture, it is ATL Day Ones. We'll see you on the other side. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. We want to thank you for coming back with us, sticking with yeah. us, rolling with us throughout the entire show. You guys have been showing all type of love when it comes to you know subscribing us, subscribing to us on YouTube, and we really, really appreciate that. We are pushing for 2K, pushing for 2K. Pushing for 2K. I say it three times so you can understand and, and, and register that we're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers. So, yeah, if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We really would appreciate it. And also, remember that we are free and available on all of your podcast platforms. Excuse me. And, we, and make sure once you get there and you realize how great we are, just go ahead and leave a five-star review. Like, see, you see how Tanisha's laughing? Like, she know I'm serious. She know I'm dead serious when I say stuff like that. So, yeah, five-star. Because we're five-star type people over here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, part of ATL Day 1's T. This is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes it's whatever the hell we want to talk about. You know, and as you know, sit down here and, and checking out some of the games, you know, Checking out these these past couple of games for the NBA Finals, uh, we mm-hmm. talked about, you know, recapped it in, in the first segment. So we're not going to really get into that aspect of it, but I, I think that it kind of started to get my mind churning a little bit as far as, you know, as the Hawks go into the offseason, we know mm-hmm. there are a lot of things going on. We know it's going to be a busy offseason for the for the Atlanta Hawks because, hey, they have to, changes have to be made, and the way this roster is currently constructed, Agreed. they can't 
compete in the East. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. And and I think that knowing that and how they get there, I, mm-hmm. my question to you is, what should they prioritize when it comes to what's been going on in the NBA Finals? We've watched how they how the Warriors have won, won right. one game. We've watched how the Celtics have won one game. And we know both of these teams shoot the three pretty well. The yes. Hawks shoot the three pretty well. Yeah. Yep. But there's a missing component. Is that <laughs> something? That something is defense. Yes. Should they prioritize defense when it comes to this offseason and, and trying to rebuild this roster so they can be competitors in the East? Yeah. And when you look at the way both of those teams won those mm-hmm. games, that's what it was. It was their defense leading to offense. And like you said, take nothing away from the fact that both of those teams, both Celtics and Warriors, are sound on the perimeter, especially, of course, the Warriors. But they're right. both sound shooting teams. Then it boils down to which team can affect the other team's shot. Right. Right. And also, which team can cause something to happen that positively impacts themselves? And when I say it that way, if the Warriors were able to get 18 points off 19 Celtics turnovers and they won the game by 19, even though we know that the lead was up to at least 33. But the point being, look at the symmetry in those numbers. I could turn the ball over 19 times. I get 18 points from it. I win by 19 points. There's... There's something there. There's a commitment. Yeah, that's that's kind of easy math right there, T. Exactly. I'm with right. you. I'm with you. Yeah, okay? I'm going to get this ball from you, and then I'm going to run it back quickly on transition offense. Yeah. And then I'm going to – right. So either I'm going to make you pay, in in Warriors' case, make you pay with uh, a quick catch-and-shoot situation, but even sometimes going inside a little bit more than they were able to do game one. But you go back to game one, that's what you saw with the Celtics as well. So whether you say – you know, look at somebody like a Derek White who had an impact or the Williams boys that had an impact, or of course, Marcus Smart. And then in game two, Gary Payton the second, because I know I looked in game one and I was kind of trying to figure out why he had a DMP near his name. He right. comes in and for 25 minutes just gives everything that he could to the Warriors defensively, really helped them to set mm-hmm. the stage. So don't look at the numbers and just say, wow, the Warriors blew them out. Now, nah, look at how they got to the blowout. Right. It was the patented trademark vintage warriors in the third quarter that shut things down defensively on the Celtics and then allowed their offense to completely (laughs) obliterate the Celtics. That's what you saw in game two. And to your point, that's what you're missing with the Hawks. So whether you are in the camp, which I'll be honest, I kind of reside in the camp of let's get a stronger backcourt that has that next level two-way player who really, really like, hones in on defense, embraces defense, and can play alongside Trey and just be like, dog, I'm that dude. Like Clay Thompson is a great example. Somebody who has offensive prowess, but at some point in his career decided, hey, I'd like to play my game more as a two-way player, and then became that guy. Or or dare I say it, I'm going to go back, I'm taking it back real quick before we move on, but Michael Jordan was about, more so sometimes about being defensive player of the year, than he was about even being the MVP because he wanted, he feasted, he desired to be that secondary, that second two-way player, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. I want to see a guy like that. Or if you're 
you know, in the big man space, that's another space as well, whether you, you know, or wing, if you will, yeah. a wing yeah. at the three or the four, wherever you feel you want to put somebody and bring somebody in who is committed to and understands that Clint Capella cannot do all this work by himself. No doubt about it. And and, and when you think about it, like, I think Travis Slank is going to get a little bit creative, right? Because yes. if there is a two, uh, a two guard out there that is a excellent two-way player, more yeah. than likely, he's probably locked in a contract. So, I, you know what I mean? So, if it's not out there, like, and I'm just, this is just a scenario, right? This is what, what I've come up with in my head. Like, you're going to have to get a combination of it, right? It yes, might have to be yes. two people to make that, that, you know, make that work, right? Agreed. So, say, for instance, they get Donovan Mitchell. Yes. You know, and he's an excellent scorer, right? So, yes. you, get, you get another guy that you can um, – have handled the fo- not the football, handled the, handled the basketball, mm-hmm. and he can get buckets at any point, any time he wants to on the floor. And you go out and go get a guy like a Gary Payton, Payton a second because he's a yeah. free agent as well. So yes, and you can kind of work that rotation now. Nate McMillan gonna have to get very creative, very creative. also yeah. with the rotations and who he has in there at the same time and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. You know, you may start the game with Trey and Donovan Mitchell, but. And certain points of the game, those guys probably gonna not gonna have to be in there um, at the same time. So right. you got to work that out. But yeah. I think that at the end of the day, Slank has to he has to get creative, and he has to figure this thing out because you know watching these NBA finals and looking at these games is just it's just clear to me how you can get there. You yes. know, hit the three ball. You're gonna have to be able to hit three ball, and they already do that. Yeah. They already yeah. got that. You already check that box. They they shoot yeah. three ball. Very well. One of the better mm-hmm. offensive teams in the NBA. Yeah. But that defense is lacking, and you have to figure out a way to get it done when it comes yeah. to the defensive prowess for, that you have on your team because teams yeah. aren't scared of Trey Young because especially if they're a team like the Miami Heat or the mm-hmm. Boston Celtics. Look at all the, those two teams I just named in the East. They're going to have to go up against those guys. Yeah. And you have to figure out a way to combat what they what they bring to the table you absolutely do but again like you said bringing gary payton the second into the conversation because you know that he's a free agent you never know what might happen with Derek white i'm just saying you know i like Derek white uh, like his <laughs> i know you, hey, you've been doing his thing too yeah <laughs> exactly. so i like his game but also you know you make a great point of course we heard the news that after eight seasons quinn snyder decided to part ways with the jazz and donovan mitchell had a decided yes. reaction of shock you know just really did not take that well. You can tell that that was ultimately a shock to his system. So that's the kind of player that if he's in a situation of unrest, which you and I have spoken about before, kind of postulating on that, no different than we were about like a Rudy Gobert situation, right? Indeed. So yes. if we're postulating on that situation and the possibility that these players are more open than ever, and we also said that as this postseason goes on and then the offseason goes on, you'll see more and more players that are going to be open to making a move Go after somebody like that because of Donovan Mitchell, if you're able, especially to get somebody that big name, even though he may not be the complete solution because you still got some defensive holes to fill, what he does for you is he says, I'm an attractive free agent. I am an all-star who is willing, interested, and able to go to Atlanta. I choose Atlanta and watch the possible positive trickle-down effect to get Atlanta to be a destination for some of these future top tier A-listers in the NBA. So want to hear about more A-listers? Come back for these A-listers on Tuesday like you always do. Check us out first because, hey, we're going to give you our best 
and brightest each and every day talking about this ATL sports scene. But your second stop, getting hard with John Chuckery. Mm-hmm. He's always got the best for you as well because, hey, anybody in this Lockdown Sports Atlanta family, we're going to bring it to you each and every day the best way we can. So for Jarvis, I am Tanidra. We appreciate you guys stopping by. And of course, look forward to seeing you tomorrow or hearing from you tomorrow because you're going to go give us a five-star review anyway. Bye. Y'all come back now, you Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.